Welcome to the CinemaSci podcast, where we explore the connections between science and all things in the media, movies, books, television, and more. My name is Brian Blaze, and today I have guests Samantha Hazen and Julian Pagnota to discuss a wide range of topics in the movies, starting with superheroes, but venturing into other action films and even Harry Potter. Links to the video clips will be made available in the podcast notes. And now on to the show. I've seen online when people, different websites that talk about the physics of superheroes and, and they, they focus a lot on how superheroes have their powers. And, and for me, that's, that's not very interesting. Um, and so the way I, I see kind of superheroes, I, I think of it more like Harry Potter, like the, they have magic powers and you're trying to tell a story about what would happen if you took a guy who could fly around and is super strong and you throw him into like, you know, normal society, what would he have to do? Right. And, and so you can tell a lot of interesting stories that way. And that's why people like um, superheroes. Um, and so my basic philosophy there, when I think about the intersection of science and superhero films, is that the superheroes can do whatever the storyteller wants them to do. It doesn't matter if they violate rules of physics or anything like that. But the normal stuff, the people, the buildings, the ground, the cars, that all should behave like normal stuff. And... Um, and follow the laws of physics. So I have a personal gripe, kind of a pet peeve with Superman in particular. Although I think that the same argument could probably be leveled against the Flash and other things. And, uh, but, but, but Superman has this habit of trying to save people by catching them after they've fallen from a great height. And he does this without any uh, sense of matching their speed first. So, uh, and this is true in the original and it's true in the, uh, the reboots. Um, so in the original, like 1970s, Christopher Reeve, uh, Superman, the one kind of I grew up with, uh, Lois is falling off a very tall building. She falls many stories and he comes careening up from the ground and doesn't really slow down. And even if he were to stop, it wouldn't matter because she comes to a sudden stop if she gets caught. And which would be incredibly uncomfortable for her and, and probably, you know, break her in half and, and cause all sorts of internal injuries and everything else. So in this sense, he does more harm than, than good. And it's, not, and it's not just in the, uh, the original, it's also in the reboots um, where like in Man of Steel, there's a guy who falls out of a helicopter um, and we'll put links to the, all the, kind of these video clips so that way we can see them. But, uh, you know, if someone falls out of a helicopter just before he hits the ground, Superman comes running horizontally and catches him and moves him about 50 feet in a millisecond. And, and so, which my analogy would be like falling out of a helicopter and just before you hit the ground, you get hit by a train. I mean, it's, it's pretty much the same kind of thing. So that's kind of how I see these sorts of things. And I kind of open up the discussion with that and we can pull in other movies and kind of, you know, look at it in, in, in other ways, but that's, I'll, I'll you know, throw that one out there as a, as the first thing. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a pretty big uh, superhero guy myself. Um, although at first I, I can't say I realized all the physics that I had to do in superhero movies. I wasn't exactly thinking about how, you know, if Lois Lane was caught by Superman, she would pretty much be hitting a brick wall with uh, some skin on top of it. Um, <laughs> But I, I looked further into uh, all the superhero kind of examples in movies because I'm, I'm really interested in all that stuff. And I really like Flash in particular because uh, originally 
they kind of went into Flash as like a superhero who just kind of ran really fast. Um, and still in, in some things like certain shows like the CW Flash show, if you guys have heard of that, uh, I think that's mostly what they do. Um, but in the new movies, they've kind of changed it a little bit. Uh, needless to say, though, for the Flash, they, they have a really hard time writing how um, he interacts with actual objects. Because um, right. I, I personally think super speed would be a pretty strong thing, you know, because I mean, if you're throwing a rock at like light speed, well, that's 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 going to be uh, quite the impact there. Um, and I feel right. like he never really takes into anything, sorry, into any any of these things into account is what I was trying right. to say. Um, so he never but, uh, makes use of, of I mean, he makes use of the fact that he can get from one place to another really fast. But he never, he never, you know, fights a villain by just throwing pebbles at him. Which, if he yeah. got them up to that speed, would be pretty lethal. Yeah, it'd be kind of like getting hit by a meteorite. <laughs> if you think about it like that, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, for something to be going that fast with an object, it would create like a shockwave and a crater and it'd break the sound barrier and it'd just be so, right. so absurd. Um, but with the Flash, uh, they they kind of make you run with a lot of people. You know, especially when he's uh, saving people in particular right. in the CW show, mostly because that's kind of what we've been exposed to as a live action Flash character mm-hmm. as he, he runs around with a lot of people. In uh, one of the scenes, he he rescues his uh, love interest, uh, Iris, and runs around with her at super speed. Um, but it's just crazy because the amount of air resistance that you're getting from running at that speed with another person. Um, so the, I guess the question can come up is that um uh is it possible that and maybe with the flash that if he's actually like holding on to someone then they're kind of enveloped in his magic if you kind of think of it that way so so like whatever magic lets him go fast kind of applies to that person so as long as he doesn't like run along and while he's running grab someone if he stops grab someone then can run stop and put them down that's okay but if he ran and tried to catch someone that'd be bad if he ran stopped picked someone up and while running let them go because now they're going super fast that'd be a problem for them right you know so i imagine that 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 would be how it might play out where you might be able to excuse some of what they do and that would apply to superman as well but he doesn't slow down he never he never like you know stops and and does that sam you look like you have a I have an interesting technical point. I don't know why I know this because I don't follow it that vividly, but I know it's a thing where like later, like the later seasons, he ends up like finding like some sort of power where he can like share his speed with people. And like, so it slows down time for them type thing. So like they're interacting with his powers temporarily, which I think the fact that that exists alone implies that in earlier seasons and stuff, he's not sharing his magic. Oh, right. Yeah. It means that they're still getting the whiplash of their life. Oh, right. That's a good point. That is a really, that's a really, really good point. And, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. So, so the, uh, so does this apply also um, to um, Quicksilver, who is in um, the X Men, I would I would say, and it's also I mean briefly in the Avengers, but 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 he has a bigger bigger role to play in the in, in the X Men. Uh, he does a, you know, and they they show his kind of slow down scenes when he's moving things around, and he interacts with things and gets them to go really fast whenever he touches any anything. 
and we see it kind of after the fact after he's kind of like run around the room and then his back we don't we, you know we kind of see the slow-mo and then and then we see kind of the result of everything he did and a lot of that is just he just moved something a little bit but he moved it so fast that it just got them you know flying like crazy um and you know flying out of windows and other, other things like that so it, it does seem that um you know there i mean there still is the problem of 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 them going from zero to some fast speed and experiencing that, but maybe, yeah, I don't know. That's, a, but it is a good point about him being able to share or not his uh, abilities. I was going to say, cause I actually looked at one of the Quicksilver scenes where he's like saving them from an explosion. Yes. Explosion. And it's interesting because all the physics of like showing the reaction of afterwards when time comes back, that mm -hmm. all is in play until he's suddenly saving like his own people. Uh -huh. because essentially dude whole nice little breakdown i tried to optimize everything like i assume the fact because i don't know the internet somehow knows the size of the house and it's yeah. like 1500 square feet it's so i like there. tried yeah. to optimize it i said like this is literally a 1500 foot long house one meter thick <sighs> explosions on opposite side the people are there he's got to get right. them like 100 meters away and the reality of the matter was that like even in the best case scenario, Mario, I said like he could run back that hundred meters in the speed of light. He's not taking any time. Uh -huh. Like everything is designated to save the people. They're still going like 460 meters per second. If you want to save them all, all. Uh -huh. that was like the bare minimal of trips, like, like right. his arms, not accounting for the times where he stops and is like, oh, this is funny. I'm going to do this. <laughs> Everyone's still gone but there's it, no way to stop them in that short of a time like i picked the slowest explosion i could find uh, <laughs> the longest house yeah everyone's still gone heads yeah, blown probably off. not probably not written entirely consistently is my my, my guess no. yes, that, the, the thing and um and, and i think it's it, i mean it's implied at least that time works differently for him Right. You know, he kind of pauses for a while while things move very, very slowly. Um, but but yeah, he does seem to take his time a, a, a little bit when things are still changing at some at some rate. And the, and the problem, obviously, is getting people to go from, um, you know, zero to some pretty fast speed that's kind of across the, the house. Because you still have to have the people out move the explosion. Right. So they yeah. have to they, they, they essentially have to be moving as fast as an explosion in order to be saved however you want to slice time pretty much and like and, uh, even there we're like trying yeah. to give them extra time of like it's on one of the end of the house so like mm. you don't have to outrun the explosion right if you want to do this safely he's getting like maximum four trips in that's like the good okay. case scenario if you do like realistically like the house is more square and stuff uh -huh. and the explosions from the center of the house he, he's not getting one person out he's going like 15 meters and then that pace is getting caught up too i was like these <laughs> these people don't stand a chance well it's one of the things that it brings in when, when you start thinking about this is the uh one thing i like to think of is how would you have to change the scenes to take these into account and can you use these facts in order to either tell a better story or to depict it in a better way. So the example I'll give with Superman is like, he, he needs to match the person's speed. If they're falling vertically, he needs to match their speed vertically and then slow them down gracefully. And that's, you know, like you do at a, an amusement park ride or something like that. They, they don't generally come to a sudden stop. They slow you down gracefully, even if they've dropped you from a long ways. And so 
you'd have to change his flight plan, which would, for someone falling down a building would mean passing them as they're falling down, reversing direction and then matching their, matching their speed. And you can even imagine someone throwing a line out there where they're falling and they see Superman like pass them thinking that like, you know, he's, he's doing that, you know, he, he missed them or something like that and making some comment before obviously they get, they, they get saved. So you could see how you could do stuff like that and, and um, work it into the narrative in a way that would both kind of solve that problem, but also, you know, kind of be consistent, but also solve the problem that he's trying to, trying to do. And, uh, um, and it doesn't mean that, that you, you have to film it the way that they've been filming it. I guess it's the way, the way that, that you would, you would want to do it. Yeah, I think with that whole Quicksilver scenario, I, I feel like you can also apply like the Flash situation where it's like he is kind of like a magic bubble where uh, whoever he's touching or whoever's in his zone kind of, I know he kind of like enters like a dimensional thing whenever he's using his, his uh, super speed. But um, at the time, I, I think if, if he's like saving people, does it really, do, does it apply to them? I think is the question. And then another question, like, I would propose during the whole Quicksilver uh, kind of concept is when he's in that in that zone and like pushing bullets and stuff uh-huh. different directions. Do you do you think that the like absolute speed of that bullet is is actually just instead of moving just a little bit to the right or left? Wouldn't you think that that change in in speed from zero to like a hundred or oh. so meters per second uh-huh. uh, send it through the wall? To the side, right? Yeah, yeah. That would, yeah. And I think I think they're not always consistent with that, right? You know, in some cases, he just moves an object in some direction and leaves it, and then when time starts again, you know, when then they clearly just go in that direction like very quickly. But in other cases, he just moves something over to the side, and it keeps going in the same direction that it was going. It's just you know moved off to the off to the side. You're 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 absolutely right that that would you know if you're going to be consistent with that if if he if he push the bullet out of the way it would have a, a serious sideways speed and it would go through the the, the wall on, on on the side that he he pushed it probably um <clears throat> now these sorts of things happen not just in superhero films so you can kind of there's actually a kind of i would say a genre of semi-superhero films they're not usually they're not usually put in the superhero genre but they behave in much the same way so and, and those movies i'm thinking of are like john wick and jason bourne like the born identity, uh, the the diehard films uh, after film one or two, um, where you have kind of you know presumably normal people, but they seem to have superhuman abilities, mostly being in car wrecks and walking away without without having any issues, or or even in some cases jumping out of moving cars and having no no issues. Um, and so that's the, uh, you know, and, and there I kind of waver where I'm like, do I, should they be treated like normal people and follow the laws of physics or should be treated more like superheroes and they're kind of magical in that sense and nearly in- invincible? I'm not, not really sure. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that kind of, and are there others in that kind of borderline zone? I think uh, these characters definitely have um, a very strong force on their side called a uh, plot armor, um, <laughs> yes. which kind of makes them kind of invincible to about anything coming their way. Um, <laughs> sadly, I could never get into the Jason Bourne series just because I was like, wow, this is 
ridiculous because um he's always going out of a window or flying out of a car yeah um, dropping multiple bones you know oh yeah yeah he's 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 really uh he's really something in, in that i was gonna say like you've got to really introduce that fantasy that superhero element or something because like you know once you toss some physics out the window there's like letting the rest go is a lot easier but if you're going to pretend that this is like just some guy who goes to the gym a lot or is just super dedicated i we're still based on reality here and it's just there's only so many window falls you can survive right before i'm like your odds are just too slim are there any i've already watched superman okay are there any movies that do that that do that though like that 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 depict kind of action heroes even remotely realistically um and uh i'm not not sure or if there are there any superhero films that go you know try to be consistent with their with with their kind of abilities or or things like that i'm not i'm not sure if i can think of any i know um uh one of them i got into watching quite a bit uh i think it was mentioned in class at some point it's called the boys um, hmm. and it's a superhero kind of TV series. Um, and I'll, I'll post one of the, the movie links kind of to it. Okay. Uh, I was going to talk about it a little bit uh, later. Uh-huh. Basically, what happens is, is there's pretty much Homelander. And Homelander's, you know, Superman. Um, so he has his own magic applying around him. However, the boys likes to take a very realistic approach to his, his abilities. Okay. So, for instance, there's this one scene where there's a, a plane crashing down. Um, and kind of the wonder woman of the universe asks him to uh save the plane and like you know fly it to shore safely um and then earlier we were actually talking about in the class how where if if superman this little guy goes up and hits a plane at like however however fast he needs to be going like faster than a bullet at least um just to like get enough force just to actually pick up the plane well the chances are since he is like such a small kind of uh you know size to him he's just going to go straight through the plane or maybe he'll hit the back of the plane and he'll flip um but either way uh it's just kind of like impossible to do that stuff um but the universe takes like a very interesting perspective on it um but also with the action movies like jason Bourne and stuff i was looking at this um one youtube video who was kind of talking about like how i know in one of the scenes in jason Bourne. sorry i haven't seen all the movies uh all the way through yet uh-huh. But he kind of jumps out of a really high building, uh, maybe six stories or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's with a motorcycle or something like that. There's something <laughs> under him. Um, uh-huh. And he's aiming for the water because uh, it, like, you know, nullifies all the impacts. Of- yes, of course. Yeah. And we know, like, the surface. <laughs> in, movie, in, in movie land, it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, they say, like, the surface tension of water the the all the molecules on top of it are is what you know you hit and what will pretty much make you go splat if you hit it at a fast enough speed which mm-hmm. is also like why belly flops are a lot right because you're increasing the surface tension and like you know how much surface you have but mm-hmm. i also saw this really cool video like kind of trying to i wouldn't really say it is kind of trying to stand for the uh jason Bourne kind uh-huh. of movie clip like it's trying to explain a little bit uh-huh. and pretty much what it talked about was so technically he had a motorcycle under him or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and since he was going into a, like a water, kind of a body of water, what he could do was if he initially broke the surface tension of the water first mm-hmm. and kind of like dispersed all his molecules uh-huh. at a time, it would in a way 
as as far as the motorcycles down enough in the water to you know mm-hmm. spread enough of them out right. it would in a way be like just jumping in water normally mm-hmm. um although he would probably go really deep into the water mm-hmm. but i'm not sure if you'd get that initial kind of hit on top of it so that's a good question i don't you know if you if you kind of fall into a large body of water while you're on some on a, an object uh whether that uh by itself would would uh, um be enough to kind of uh, break up the surface of the water so, so that you would not have much of a of an impact although i i would think also that there'd be a pretty serious resistance of the motorcycle hitting the water that, that you would then smack into the motorcycle pretty hard um, just as you're going in. So I, I'm not sure how, how, whether that would work in, 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 all, in all cases. Um, yeah. I know that, 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 that sometimes they'll try to simulate you know, movie stunts uh, to see whether they could actually happen or, 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 or not. Um, so, you know, so what other kind of movies are there that, that when you think of science and movies, uh, Sam, what were you thinking of when, when we first started thinking about this podcast? What, what, uh, um... The only one that like comes to mind of like ever being like slightly realistic, and this is usually only held for like a minute or two, and it's more so played for gags, is like sometimes like the Spider-Man or when they're coming into their powers, it's the idea of like everything's so new and you see the idea mm. that it's just, adjusting so like a lot of broken door handles like if it's the flash or something it's running into things too quick all that adjustment however it's like you get like your your quick little like laugh half it's played for like the gag reel and then like a minute later they figured it out and it's always kind of funny to see because i'm like you think these people enter panic situations and their first thought is like oh gotta watch my speed gotta watch my strength okay so that's like very interesting to see because i'm like I don't know, like I play some sports and stuff. I know heat of the moment, you know, some of that panic sets in what I know I should do versus whatever instinct kicks in is not always the same. And I would imagine someone's life on the line is pretty extreme. So like Spider-Man where like one second he's crushing the sinks and can't even hold his juice brush without like breaking it. It's all of a sudden is, you know, catching someone by the way, swinging around, around. I'm skeptical. Yes. Well, I mean, they they certainly rushed that part of most stories. I mean, I think that, I mean, people like movies because they tell stories and, and they, they put, um, you know, regardless of what the, what, what, what the movie is. And um, I personally prefer uh, superhero origin films over other films, other, over other superhero films. The ones where they figure out that they're a superhero, that takes them a little while of adjustment. Like that part of it is usually kind of the most human part of the, of the process and where, and where they're kind of changing and having to deal with the consequences and everything else. And, and I find that kind of more interesting than some, than like the sequels where they're kind of already fully developed um, on the extreme end of that. There's the uh, there's the movie uh, Unbreakable with Bruce Willis and uh, um, and who's the other Samuel Jackson. And um, and this movie was made with the philosophy that that all kind of origin films are structured in the same way. You have the first third where they're kind of figuring out that they're a superhero. The second third where they're kind of fighting little enemies, like, like solving little problems. So it's kind of to show that they can do stuff. Uh, um, and, but, and then the last third is they're fighting the, the big bad guy. That's like, and, and if you look at you know, pretty nearly every origin film, it's, it's broken up roughly in that, in that, uh, um, 
in those proportions. Unbreakable, uh, they decided that, um, and this is a, one of the uh, M. Shyamalan films, and he, he wanted to do one where the first third, where they kind of figure out that they're a superhero is like 90% of the film. Because that's where all the interesting drama happens. That's where the, a lot of the conflict, kind of just the personal conflict and, and how, you know, how he's kind of addressing with other people and so on, not just solving problems. And, and then the, the, the last like, like 9% is like fighting small problems and then we only meet the kind of big bad guy at the very end. Um, and, and so it's structured in kind of a different way. It's still a superhero origin film, but it's much slower paced and it's much more focusing on the, on the, the drama for that. Um, and in that way, I mean, so that movie begins with him surviving a, uh, a train wreck. But uh, there are a number of scenes where he shows like, you know, really like, uh, he's a lot stronger than he thinks he is. But in every case, he has to kind of work at it. So, you know, he's trying to, you know, bench press, you know, uh, 150 pounds and he has to really work on it. And then, and then, you know, someone adds like 50 pounds to it and he really has to work on it, but he can still do it. And someone adds like another hundred and he really has to work at it, but he still gets it. Right. So, and, and, and you can actually see that later on in the fighting where it's like, it's not, he's not like instantly strong. It almost is, is as if he has to kind of build up to it. Um, and, and, and that kind of puts up recall. I, I imagine it was done deliberately, but uh, um, I've not read anything about that, but it's kind of interesting that almost limitation for that, but, uh, um, but focusing on the storyline. Um, and I don't think there's any point where it's like, since he's not moving very fast or doing anything that you would think would kind of violate physics or anything, there's not really anything that's that jumps out at me as being really inconsistent. It's a, it's a great, it's a great story. It's one of my one of my favorite movies for for, for that alone. But there aren't a lot of movies that get the science right, and if you're kind of even going beyond superhero films, I mean, they're, they're just you know, either in sci-fi or even if you have like these, uh, uh, you know, Fast and Furious movies where you have lots of cars jumping and, you know, there's not an attention to, to detail. There's like only really a handful of, of movies, I think, that, that, that do, that, I think, take the effort to get the science right. And that would be, um, in my listing way, that I think of, that would be Interstellar, The Martian, Apollo 13, um, Arrival, and if you go back far enough, 2001 Space Odyssey, although uh, I think it kind of does that to a, to a fault. Um, but are there any, any movies that you've seen that you think that kind of, or TV series, I don't see those as, as, as much, um, where they kind of push the science a little bit, but like they're still reasonably consistent? I was going to say Martian, I feel like is definitely pushing the science a little bit, because doesn't that movie end with him like cutting holes in his like suit gloves and like iron man style back to the ship and yes it is i would say that you know basically what he did there was physically possible it just would be super hard to control and in like you know 99 cases out of 100 he probably would have gone off course and things would have been bad but then you know we do have the plot to, to consider uh or that. but it's not like it's not impossible it's just a little unlikely and a little convenient uh, um, but, um, again, not, you know, um, uh, not like in the Fast and Furious 
movies where like you get you know two cars jumping and one kind of passes the other one over in the air and end up landing first and things like that where like the the timing is just like you know all wrong like that's like actually impossible so it's, it's not like that level of uh of, of kind of being wrong it's just more of a kind of inconvenient i guess thing highly unlikely highly unlikely yes well talking about that i was a huge fan of interstellar um and i know in the uh in the movie itself they bring up the concept of time a lot mm. and how time moves differently on different planets and closer to the black hole and yeah. different orbits which at first i was like that's crazy I mean, I, I can't believe time can change. Like, if you're in a different position of the universe, that makes no sense to me. Um, but a lot of movies, I think, have taken that same approach um, and, like, try to kind of capture it realistically. And I think my favorite kind of far-out one is one called Prometheus. Um, I'm not sure. If it's it one of the, that's one of the alien prequels, is that right? Yeah, and it's crazy. I didn't even um, go into it thinking that as an <laughs> alien movie. I honestly had no idea. <laughs> But um, I think it takes place like a couple, like a thousand years past, you know, current date. Uh, so the technology that the humans have is more advanced and all that. Mm -hmm. But um, other than that, they have no such thing as like light speed travel. Because I know we were talking a right. bit about, you know, you take all the energy in the universe just to get like a pen to move at light speed. Right. Which is, which is insane. But um, they kind of made it so that there's a galaxy uh, kind of far away. Um and they had to get from, you know, point A, which is Earth, to point B, which is, you know, in that galaxy. And mm -hmm. to do that, they had to go into, like, kind of cryogenic sleep state for hundreds of years. Right. So they were moving, like, extremely fast. They had to, you know, fly all the way out there for, like, so long. So they had a robot, I guess, take care of them in the meantime. Um, right. Yeah, but, I've not looked at the timeline for that, like, how far the distance is versus how long they're in sleep and, and things like that but if you um in a and i don't know whether they're close to the speed of light or, or not where you're going to get interesting um interesting time effects um uh coming to, into play but the the galaxy itself is a hundred thousand light years across which means it would take light itself a hundred thousand years to go from one end to the next and so going only like a hundred years is not going to get you know no matter how fast you're 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 going unless you're going extremely close to the speed of light and get funny time effects um is is not going to get you that far um now this is one of the reasons why you know you can be confident that the aliens aren't visiting us now because the distance between any two places is is is, is pretty um is pretty huge and the energy requirements to get from one place to another even within our own galaxy is uh prohibitive yeah. which is uh you know interesting so uh um I'm trying to think of other um you know places where we see you know I, you know where we see kind of science in in, in movies uh one one thing that happens uh, are kind of science stereotypes in movies, right? You know, you, you see like the, 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 the classic uh, um, um, stereotypical scientist in, a, in, in movies. And that, and that, that sometimes is, is just as jarring as, as not having good, good science. And uh, Sam, you look like you're going to say something about that. Oh, I'm just laughing. I don't know why the first thing that came to my head was um, Back to the Future, the mm. crazy hair. And yeah, oh, yeah. We're, we're really <laughs> reaching there. I mean... 
Yes, they were definitely playing on that kind of stereotype of the kind of crazy, um, the crazy scientist. Um, and uh, yeah, um, well, that brings in like all the kind of time, um, time loop movies, which, you know, are, you know, also, there, there's all sorts of interesting stuff, stuff there. I, my, my favorites tend to be the ones that are like the Terminator where there's closed loops. Where, where essentially everything had to happen exactly the way it happened. And it's not like anyone went back and changed it, um, but it, it's all kind of one coherent uh, story. It happened in, uh, um, uh, in Harry Potter, in uh, would have been Harry Potter 3, I think. Um, where, and the where, Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes, exactly. So You're when speaking my have, language now. You have the time turner and... Uh, um, and and that there, conveniently got destroyed before um the final yes you would think that that someone would have made use of the time turner earlier that always that always uh, uh bothered me uh if you have access to time machines like wouldn't voldemort had tried to use those and collect those and we know that there were a ton of them in the ministry of magic uh, um they were mentioned as like you know when they were going you know to get the prophecy in book five i think they uh, um um the you know, the next shelf over was a whole shelf of time turners. So it's like someone should have, someone should have thought of that. they that they get destroyed. That was, <laughs> that was the fix. Uh-huh. They get destroyed somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you, you introduce a, a, a story element that then un- can undermine your entire story. Yeah. That's um, my favorite. Or them talking about just like good old muggle technology, like yep. forget with the spells, just. Yeah. Sometimes you know. the muggle technology is actually better. <laughs> than yeah. the, the, the magic solutions you always quills, wonder like why pen. yeah why you know why can't they cure harry's uh, uh eyesight right you know it's, it's like why does he need glasses at all i mean that's the <laughs> why does he need to live with the abusive family it's for magic yeah, that's right that's right so that it can be used both kind of as an excuse to kind of move the plot along i mean that's which is uh, you know unfortunate that actually gets me the, uh, my pet peeve in harry potter has to do with with harry potter 5 which um in the books not the movie because they actually take this out of the movie but uh, um in the book um, he's presented with a mirror at the very beginning where he can contact Sirius at any time. And then he doesn't, he, he kind of has it in his bag for the whole time. And then he only remembers he has it at like the very end of the book. And had he remembered at any point or had told any of his friends that he had it, which he would have done, and they would have remembered he had it, or he had talked talk to Sirius in a different way later on in the book, and he had to forget that he had the mirror. Um, had he known about the mirror, at any time during the book the entire ending of the book wouldn't have happened because it hinges on him being misled in terms of where Sirius was the entire plot is undermined by that now if and, and, and since it doesn't add to the plot at all it didn't need to be in there like or, or it could have been at you know he could have like discovered it not having been given it but discovered it in serious things at the end and been like oh man he could have given me this thing and and, and, and it would have solved a lot of problems like you know it could have been done that way but it doesn't um, people say the same thing about um, about Quicksilver, is that um, he could probably solve almost all of the plot problems they have in all the movies he's in, and they basically sideline him every time. Like he does his thing, and then he leaves for whatever reason, or is taken out early on because he can pretty much solve nearly any problem um, that they want to. Um, and 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 that's a that's a problem with like 
some of these characters like the flash i think and uh and and sometimes superman is that that their abilities make it harder to write for because they're too powerful you need the limitations to tell good stories yeah i've always wondered how uh batman kind of survived everything throughout like all of his kind of fights and experiences and getting hit by tanks and stuff like that <laughs> um, especially in the in the new justice league film um, i'm not sure if you guys saw the Zack snyder cut or anything like i have that. not i'm looking forward to seeing it it's, it's, i've heard it's much better than the original but uh... it's it's pretty amazing they even have like this, this whole thing about flash um with the new the new way he travels it's more okay. of an, in a new dimension which kind of solves a lot of the physics issues that he has before um but yeah uh in the new one batman or sorry superman punches batman um which is which is kind of crazy if you really think about it and batman kind of goes flying through a car oh i've seen that scene yes yes yes. um i think there and again this comes into the kind of magic element of things right um when batman has all kind of all his tech on it's kind of like uh, iron man in that way um, where it's kind of like magic. We don't really, I mean, they're probably completely consistent with, with how much damage it can take. But the idea is that while he's in this, while he's kind of protected by this technology, he can basically withstand anything, right? You know, or the, the kind of the writers can allow anything to happen to him without, without too many repercussions. I guess that's the issue. But if it had been just like, you know, you know Bruce Wayne standing there without any of his tech, it you know, he, he, and, and Superman punched him, he wouldn't have been flown back into the car. Superman's hand would have just gone right through him, you know, and because uh, uh, he wouldn't have the protection. So, so I see that as kind of the, the um, there are characters like Iron Man and Batman and maybe some others where the technology itself is kind of the form of magic and serves the same kind of storytelling role that the, you know, powers of Superman or Quicksilver or any of these other ones uh, um, uh, have. So. And so I think once you start seeing movies in this way, like when you just start, you know, again, not looking for the, you know, how the superhero works, but they'll suspend your this belief on, on kind of how the superhero works but but noticing all the normal stuff around and what it does you really start getting an appreciation for when they actually kind of get it right versus when they just don't and uh, most of the time when they don't um and you just start noticing it in kind of everything like wait a minute you know that person that that'd be a problem if, if that superhero did that around that person and uh, i imagine there's uh, there'd be there'd be others uh, that, that are like that I think a pretty funny example is um, if you guys have seen the new Godzilla movie or uh, even some of the uh, a little bit older ones. Is that Godzilla I mean, versus King Kong? Is that the new one? Yeah. And then before that, I think it's just Godzilla King of Monsters. Okay. Uh, and then both of those kind of examples, Godzilla, you know, he's thousands and thousands of pounds and, you know, he's heavy. That's a, that's a big lizard. Um, <laughs> right. And he'll be walking around the city, you know, kind of normally um and there there won't be any shock waves or quakes and, um, and it's and it's, under him won't break won't break yeah that's the thing yeah you know you would expect sidewalks to break you'd yeah. expect other things i always think about like the the any of the superheroes that can't fly take someone like the hulk 
lifting something if they happen to be on a soft surface and the soft surface could just be like a, 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 a grassy field, but they lift a tank up and throw it or something like that. They, they would send their feet right into the, into the ground and which obviously wouldn't be like very graceful in a movie and look kind of funny, but, but that's kind of what would happen. You think, you know, given that, that there is a huge amount of weight on small feet um, and kind of the smallest of the, of the character coming in. I was going to say that's what's been kind of interesting about this class because a lot of movies will like add like just a little bit of physics to make you think that it's like realistic like I know there is like some scenes where like Hulk goes to lift something up and the strain is so great like you start to see his feet like sink in or crack the ground but come so you're like oh okay makes sense but like when you start doing some of the math of what reality should actually be you're like oh no, he should have like punched the ground and gone down like 10 floors. But like, instead we're just seeing like, oh, the ground's right. sinking in that's good enough. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely underestimate it, you know, for, for that. And, uh, or they'll do it in one place, but not another place, right? That won't be, won't be consistent. Um, that happens a lot with Spider-Man and his webs. Like in some cases, like if you take the, the, the scene where he um, is able to stop a train with like 12 of his webs and then then there's other scenes where he should be able to like you know stop much you know he could stop uh, a pretty large object but in, a, in another scene he can't stop a, a much smaller object so they're just not consistent with the properties of whatever they're kind of whatever they're writing it's almost as if they're writing independent scenes um and uh so even if you even if you think of the superheroes like magic you still want them to be consistent if they, if, if they have you know some level of strength in one scene it should translate to another scene in in, in, in a somewhat equivalent way and it's a problem when you don't have that yeah speaking of spider-man and um kind of regular people falling kind of like how uh, other superheroes catch them um, I know there's one instance I saw, I think it's done really well in Spider-Man 3 in the original one with Tobey Maguire, of mm -hmm. course. Um, it's not one of his best ones, though, but like the Spider-Man 3. <laughs> yeah, I know. A lot of people hate on that one. I, I, I don't like it. I don't know. I know it's an unpopular opinion. It's, it's, yeah. It might be my favorite of the three. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I know it's weird. But uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I know MJ is kind of is chilling in a, a web in Venom in sorry in Venom's webs. Okay. Um, and there's like a truck above her or whatever, but that doesn't really come into play. Actually, it kind of does because now I think about it, the truck went through the webs, which makes no sense. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyways, I know so a lot of a lot of the time we were talking about how if people you know survive from falling out of a plane, it'd have to be in right. like a forest desert right. or a mountain that's like right. snowy at least that way they can like decelerate before you know hitting the ground at terminal velocity you can, you can right it off bit by bit right. um, you want to you want a graceful slowdown of any fall that's yeah right. um and i thought they did that really well in spider-man 3 when mj somehow <laughs> i don't know how but her uh her web snapped somehow um <laughs> and she fell and then she she fall like a two stories or so so it would it'd give you an injury at least right um but like throughout the fall they made her hit each web and kind mm. of snap through each of them which would okay slow her down yep yeah yeah so that's that's actually good that's a good that's a a, a good way to, to have it so i don't remember which one but isn't there a different one where she kind of falls though like through a clock tower and I think it's interesting because I think they have it where 
she gets saved because like right at the well she still ends up dying but it's because she gets caught too close to the ground and it's the idea that her head whip backs and hits the ground and it's the idea that like that's what kills her and I think it's interesting the idea because I'm like you could have caught her a couple inches so the head wasn't hitting the ground the whiplash alone was still going to kill her I think it's interesting (laughs) they're like oh no she died she hit the ground still and it's like she was dying either way like unless you got her a lot higher up or something right she was gone and I think it's interesting like that idea where you can see such difference in the movies because you've got spider-man 3 where they're trying to show some semblance of her slowing down and then another one who acts like just stopping her midair is unproblematic and fine yeah yeah that it happens in uh some batman movies where where the the villain falls for a long way and then batman catches him on one of these cables and it's just like around his ankle stops him after falling like it's like oh man that's just so it's just very bad for your ankle for sure that Uh, or my favorite is like when they like the villains or like the heroes push villains out of the window it's like i don't kill people and it's like what do you think tossing them out that window just did like basic (laughs) physics there of yeah so well you can you can argue that it's like Thank you for listening to the first episode of the Cinema Side podcast. Please subscribe to be notified for any upcoming episodes and have a nice day.